coming up on The Exam Room. Have you found because of your own transition, your own health journey, like, do you find that the long-term success of your patients may be a little bit higher than some of your colleagues? I think that's probably true. Uh, I don't have any objective data to corroborate that. But, you know, when you make a connection with your patient, when you share a personal story and, you, and they understand that you know what they're going through and, and the challenges that they're facing and that you're coming, you know, no pun intended, from your heart, they connect with you more, they listen to you more, and they take it a lot more serious. And so I feel like that making that connection with my patient is critical, you know, sharing my story and, and asking them, you know, what do you think, every little question, what do you think you can do to achieve these goals and, and working with them, it, it, it does work a lot better. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Sparks, Nevada, where things are bright, gorgeous Elizabeth, New Jersey, and scrum diddlyumptious Bologna, Italy. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 92 of season 6, number 488 overall. And today we will be having ourselves a conversation with a lifestyle medicine cardiologist who is spending a lot of his time focused on obesity and wondering what is the answer to our weight loss problems. Well, he says it's really not just one thing. It can't possibly be simply weekly injections or taking a pill. It's not just having surgery. The answer is complicated. The answer is multifaceted. But the one thing, the one thing that is true for sure is that we know that we have to get to the root of the problem, the one root of the problem. So it is an interesting conversation about rethinking the way that we treat obesity. Going beyond injections and pills and surgery and rethinking the entire thing. Taking a 10,000 foot view. And one that blows the notion, by the way, that there's no money in a cure, takes that idea and blows it right out of the water. Because my guest today, Dr. Steve Loam has come up with a way that everyone wins financially for the doctors and definitely with the patients, they are scoring big time victories for their health. And that is what is most important. So talking about that today, also getting into his head. What is a conversation that Dr. Steve Loam of today would like to have with Steve Loam, who was 100 pounds overweight just a few years ago. Speaking of which, along those lines, coming up after our interview, there's a cool new study I want to tell you about. One that shows that the final outcome when it comes to weight loss is all about the messaging in the first conversation, especially when it comes to patients and their doctors. What an analysis of more than three dozen primary care physician offices shows and how that can make a huge difference for the success of patients to reclaim their health. That is coming up. 
But let me take a minute right now to tell you about our brand new exam room VIP program. As an exam room VIP, I am so thrilled to be able to give you exclusive access to some of our premium interviews, including Dr. Michael Greger. You're going to hear these two weeks before anyone else. Dr. Michael Greger and I were going to be sitting down November 20th and talking about his new book, How Not to Age. And the only way to hear it before anyone else is to become an exam room VIP. But that's not the end-all be-all of exam room VIP membership. Not at all, my friend. Because also when you become an exam room VIP, you will also get early access to tickets for our live shows, like the one we just had with the Esselstyn family. What a night that was. You should have been there. Let me tell you what. And also a ton of other perks as well. But best of all, your VIP membership ensures that the exam room keeps going. And our mission at the Physicians Committee of making the world a healthier place can become a reality every single day. As we touch lives around the globe through our groundbreaking research and education. So if you would love to continue to support us at the Physicians Committee, if you love the Exam Room podcast, if you want early access to our top tier interviews, including the one with Dr. Michael Greger that drops for VIPs November. 20th, two weeks before anyone else can hear it, all you need to do right now to become an exam room VIP is head over to pcrm.org slash exam room VIP or click the link that is in the episode notes. That's pcrm.org slash VIP or click that link that's in the episode notes. But right now, how about a conversation with a true hero of medicine, a forward thinker, he is the one, the only, our friend, Dr. Steve Loam. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, joined today by lifestyle medicine cardiologist from Monterey, California, a hero, well-known multiple times on the show, but it's always so good to have you here. Dr. Steve Loam, thanks for being here again, my friend. Thank you so much for having me once again. You know, it didn't dawn on me until earlier today before we started doing this particular episode that you're a cardiologist who actually also kind of happenstancely, if that's a word, like has now begun speaking a lot about obesity medicine. Like the two kind of go hand in hand, don't they? They absolutely do. I mean, obesity is a huge risk factor isolated by itself for heart disease. But along with obesity usually comes things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes type 2, markedly increasing uh, the risk of developing heart disease. And so if you just simply tackle the obesity you can lower your cardiovascular risk significantly, but it's not just the weight loss, obviously. You gotta do it in the right way that's a healthy and safe, sustainable way for the rest of your life instead of just the quick, easy fix, dropping pounds real quick uh, and not developing the proper habits. And I think that my personal opinion here, it's its not really my place to give an opinion, but as somebody who has lost a lot of weight, I will tell you that I think that it's not just one thing right? It's the weight loss surgery is not the reason why I'm here today. That was one part of it. 
but there's also multiple other components that go into it that were as big, if not bigger. Do you think that when it comes to the weight loss drugs, for instance, that we're seeing all the rates today, the Wagovi, the Ozempic, Manjaro, all of those, do you think that that also is going to be just one small part of it? Or are a lot of people right in assuming, hey, this is the one solution? Well, that is such an awesome question. And let me tell you my perspective here. So I think it's just a small piece of the solution, right? The big problem with our obesity epidemic is our system, our culture, our food system, government policies, the fact that our healthcare system doesn't address obesity the right way, that we don't actually have the multidisciplinary approach that we need with health coaches, behavioral specialists, helping you know reduce stress, and doing the nutrition education and the culinary medicine. That is not widespread, not covered by insurance adequately. And so ultimately our system is broken, which is led to the obesity epidemic and to think that we can let our system remain broken uh, but then just give a medication to solve all our problem that's absolutely not the way that we should go uh, now certainly can it be a bridge to help us lower disease rates and help the more extreme situations and the higher risk people as we fix our broken system perhaps that's a way that you can think about it but it is not the end-all, be-all solution. We should always avoid uh, the whole reductionistic mindset of the only way to fix a problem is this one thing. It is going to take an approach of multiple different modalities, and medicines fit in there just a little bit, but I would like to think it's temporary. Because if you think about all of humanity and the future of, of where we're going to go 100 years from now, 200 years from now, do you really think the future is injecting weight loss drugs every week or, or whatever. No, it's not. We need to solve the root problem of the problem of the of the you know the issue, which is the obesity problem, which is our food, our food system, our government policy, our healthcare system. And if you get at that and we're able to make the culture change that we need to make, which is hard, it's very hard, then hopefully the medications will not be needed. And and that's I think the underlying mindset that we need to have. I think in this country, uh, in a lot of well-developed country, but here in America, man, like healthcare isn't about taking care of healthy people. You can even call it sick care. I will just call it business. And I think that the idea of lifestyle medicine scares the ever-loving bejesus out of healthcare companies because they worry that that's going to put them out of business. So how do we then begin to approach the idea of incorporating these interventions, these nutritional interventions, the dietary components, the lifestyle components, while still having a viable medical practice or business? Another great question. And I've personally struggled with this. So when I was at a big academic university in Chicago, trying to get an Ornish program and a CHIP lifestyle medicine program, we went through all these different things and we tried to, you know, they sat down and really tried to make it work. But in the end of the day, it wasn't going to make money. So they didn't pursue the programs and we never got them going. And so, so I left. And it is a problem. Right now in our current model, lifestyle medicine and prevention is a money loser for healthcare systems. But everybody's recognizing we have to do something. Disease burdens are going up, up, up. There's no end in sight. Medical expenses are is so, so enormous now, $4 trillion a year, and 80% of that is for preventable diseases. We know we got to do something. Medicare is going to be broke. So they are shifting the reimbursement models for how doctors and hospitals get paid 
do a more population health management. So here's your population. You got to make sure that the the BMI of this population is here and the, and the blood pressures are controlled and the cholesterol numbers are controlled. And how are they going to be able to achieve that? It's going to be through lifestyle interventions because they're going to have, you know, X number of dollars to take care of these people and using expensive thousand dollar a month drugs to make them lose weight. That's not going to be the way to get it done. And they're going to need to incorporate the lifestyle medicine into their practice. Now, Medicare's mandate where they're going to get rid of the paid for productivity and the more patients you see, the more procedures you do, the more you get paid is 2030. And so it's slowly shifting over and, and doctors are getting paid more for actually meaningful outcomes, getting their patients to lose weight or controlling their blood pressure or controlling their diabetes. They're getting paid more if they meet those metrics. And that is going to be a very helpful step. But we got to be careful with that too, because we don't want it to be like, oh, you know, make sure they're all on their drugs to get their numbers down. We need to make sure that lifestyle medicine is the key uh, component in order to achieve those metrics to help doctors get paid. And as healthcare systems realize this through something that we call ACOs, accountable care organizations, hey, if we meet these metrics, they're going to give us a $5 million check mm. every year. Then they're going to say to the doctors, you need to make this happen. How can we make this happen? Oh, a lifestyle medicine program can help us to achieve these metrics so we can get this huge check from these insurance companies. And that's going to drive the change in the healthcare field. And, and it's happening. It's just happening too slow. So well, hold on. Let's talk about this. This this has never come up on the show. So in 2030, essentially the system's going to shift, and doctors are going to be like the way that I'm interpreting this. And, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Is essentially doctor salaries will be you're eligible for like bonuses or your paychecks are dependent upon patient outcomes, and that then opens the door for lifestyle medicine, where you're no longer being bonused by big drug manufacturers who come in with their pharmaceutical reps and, you know, oh, by the way, if you prescribe X number of this medication, we'll give you a free trip to Tahiti. Yeah, yeah. So the, currently, the way doctors get paid frequently, we don't get paid if we prescribe more. Our, our healthcare organizations don't pay us if we prescribe more drugs. Yes, some doctors, you know, will take kickbacks and be speakers for, for drug companies, and that's kind of done on an individual basis. But in regards to how doctors get paid right now, it's predominantly for product the more patients they see, the more procedures they do, the more tests or x-rays that they interpret, the more they get paid. And it doesn't matter how healthy your patient is. If your patient gets sick and gets admitted to the hospital, you go see him in the hospital and you get paid more. Mm. So you actually get paid more if your patients are sick and they need you more, which is not right. And so the model is trying to shift so that you actually get paid if you meet metrics to make your patient healthier. So uh, a physician's salary might be, you know, as we're transitioning to this, 80% productivity because you know if you don't get paid for seeing more patients, we'd be seeing two patients a day and spending four hours with every patient, which I would love, that would be great, but that's not realistic to see all the patients that need to be seen. So like maybe 20% of the salary will be based on, do you have blood pressure controlled? Is your patient losing weight? Is, is there you know, diabetes well controlled? Did you uh, help the smoker stop smoking? All these different things. And if you meet the certain targets, then the doctor gets a bonus for the other 20% of their salary. And the big organizations love that because the insurance companies say, hey, these are the 10,000 patients that are insured by us that you guys are taking care of. And look, you got their diabetes controlled. And that was one of our metrics. Boom, $5 million to your organization. And the organization's happy. They just made more money. The doctor's happy because they made their metric. And the patients are happy because now they're controlled and they're healthier. Uh, but again, there's a lot of ways to kind of 
make this not really quite work properly if we're just doing it by pushing drugs and, and medications to achieve these metrics. One powerful way, which is cheaper for insurance companies and, and corporate medicine and such, is lifestyle because you know it doesn't cost much to to eat you know a healthy diet, uh, and uh, but it, it does take a multidisciplinary approach. So you need the lifestyle medicine practitioner, nutritionist, behavioral health specialist. But this is really going to spawn a, a bigger growth in lifestyle medicine. But it's you know we've over the last ten or twenty years as as we've been trying to push this movement forward, it's been frustrating because we don't see the progress yet. We don't see it happening. It's finally happening on the higher level where it needs to within the healthcare world, but there's going to be ways around it. So we just need to, you know, be cautious, uh, cautiously optimistic, and hope that this is going to be a solution 10, 15, 20 years from now that will drive lifestyle medicine into the forefront of medicine. Flipping the pyramid is what they say. Our current healthcare system, the teeny tiny tip at the top uh, is prevention, and the huge area at the bottom is tertiary care, sick people. We need that to be the opposite, where the basis of healthcare is lifestyle medicine, nutrition, exercise, wellness, and it makes people so healthy that the tip of the pyramid, the small part at the top, is the tertiary care once somebody's already gotten sick, because people won't be getting sick. They'll be so healthy. So, all right, let me just make sure that I understand this concept properly. So essentially, the insurance companies would then be responsible for these bonuses and would pass along some of that cost savings onto uh, the practices who would then disseminate that money into the physicians. That's, that's, yeah, that's correct. Okay. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> what a concept, man. It's a win, win, win. So it's happening. It's just, we wish it happened, you know, 50 years ago and that, uh, and that would happen quicker. And, and again, we got to make sure that the metrics that they're using are appropriate, the way we achieve the metrics are appropriate. And there's a lot of, you know, smart people that are working hard on this. And I think it's hopefully it's going to work. It's like, yeah, man. The cynic part of me, though, is thinking, could this system kind of be gamed by you prescribe a lot of these drugs? And of course, you're going to see all of these short term results. I would hope that there's some sort of a failsafe in there where perhaps the bonuses are larger for longer term sustained success. That would be my hope anyway. Yeah, I know, I'm not sure of all the nuances and every company is different with their metrics and, and such, but I, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of ways people are going to try to game the system, um, both you know from the, the healthcare side and the individual uh, healthcare practitioner side. And you know, I'm I'm hope, hopeful that there's going to be some sort of watchdogs to kind of you know go over this and make sure that the things are happening appropriately. And it it's uh it helps you know give us a little bit of optimism that maybe we're changing away from our sick care system a little more towards the healthcare. But we're being we're being forced to do that, right? We have really have no choice because it's just absolutely unsustainable the way that it's going right now. Now, what'd you say? Four trillion with a T every with, year with a T, and about eighty percent of that is for preventable diseases related to diet and lifestyle. So about three point three, something trillion. Three point two. Three yeah. point two, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's uh a lot. Do you know what we could do as far as paying down national debt with three point two trillion dollars? We can do a lot. A lot. That is unheard of. Almost amazing. Wow. Dr. Loam crunching numbers, crazy, making things crazy. happen, man. That's amazing. I'm going to keep my eye on that. That's like really exciting stuff. Yeah. All right, man. Learn something new today. Uh, let's switch gears here and talk uh, a little bit more nutrition. I know all the roomies love to talk about food and how it benefits and the health and this and that. We can crunch numbers and talk health politics all day. But no, let's talk, uh, you know, about actual food and how that can work together. So we have 
surgical interventions. We have heart medications. We have weight loss drugs. We have all of this. Just in your estimation as a physician, kind of going back to what it was we were talking about earlier, what are the likelihoods? What's the probability that somebody is successful long-term with their weight loss if they have these interventions without going down that nutritional rabbit hole as well? And you put those two things together and you marry them. So I don't know if I can give you an exact percentage, but I would say a very large majority, if they have the right support system that's in place, including all those pieces that you need, the behavioral health, the stress reduction, the nutritionist, the health coach, and the family support, uh, I, a vast majority of people will be successful with it. Now, uh, of course, there's so many barriers to it which make it challenging to, to be successful, but we do know when we look back 100 or 200 years, People weren't obese like this. Only the kings and queens and the wealthy people were, uh, but the vast majority of people were not. And so we do know that the problem in our current situation is not the lack of a uh, of a weight loss drug. That the problem is is the food and the system and the culture. And so attacking all those things uh, would would be the solution. So when people actually do uh, their proper interventions, they will lose the weight. Uh, it's just a matter of making sure that we can support them throughout that process with enough resources to make it sus sustainable for them. And that's where the challenge is, where we just don't have a good setup. Huge challenge. A huge challenge. So I want for you to take off your doctor's, the proverbial doctor's coat, <laughs> and I want you to just put on the Steve Loam jacket. Yeah, right? yeah. Overweight Steve Loam who had his own health challenges. Now, what would Dr. Steve Loam say to that version of Steve Loam? to help that person understand how these two things can marry together and the importance of, man, you gotta eat right, you gotta exercise, otherwise there's a whole bunch of stuff we can throw at the wall, but it's not going to stick long-term. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's, um, you know, every person's different how you have to approach it. So if I was uh, Dr. Steve Lone trying to approach uh, obese Steve Lone before I lost nearly 100 pounds, I've never was approached, by the way, by healthcare professional about my weight, which Can't is imagine. probably one of the issues. But <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, I, it, it takes time. Uh, and when you only have 15 minutes as a doctor, you can't explain all this. You mm -hmm. cannot be effective. That's the issue. So uh, I, I would, you definitely have to make sure the patient understands the risk of, of the obesity and the and the outcomes that can happen if they don't lose the weight. Now it affects blood pressure, cholesterol, cancer risk, and all these things. And the benefits and reduction you can get if you are able to make the proper lifestyle changes. But I'm lucky that now currently I'm able to empathize with my patients because I've been there myself uh, and I can share my story with them and and be, you know, kind of in their shoes. But, you know, it, it's, um, it's a combination of uh, trying to meet the patient where they are, because everybody is so individually in, in a different place. And if I said to myself, listen, I'm a busy cardiologist, I'm working 80 hours a week, I'm taking call, I'm tired all the time, I don't have time to cook, I have six kids, uh, how am I going to, I don't have time to do this. Then what am I going to do as a doctor in front of that patient? I mean, I have 15 minutes with the patient, how am I going to help them with all these issues? Mm. This is why the system fails, and we need to have the integrative approach to help tackle all those individual things. The fact that I was able to overcome it is 
definitely only a small percentage of people are able to do that type of thing on their own without the support. It's right. not easy. No. Uh, and so you just, you know, try to meet the person where they are, empathize with them. I provide resources to my patients and say, I'm here to help send me messages through our messaging system. If you have questions about nutrition, I'll do the best I can for you. And I find places that can refer them for the nutritional counseling and the behavioral health counseling. Uh, but yeah, those resources are limited. So I wish somebody would have done that for me. But you know what? It worked out fine. Forks Ever Knives did it for me. <laughs> and it, uh, I, I like where I ended up. So. Do, so I don't even know if this is an appropriate question or even if you have the answer to it. But like, have you found because of your own transition, your own health uh, journey, like, do you find that because you've been there, you've walked in their shoes, the long-term success of your patients may be a little bit higher than some of your colleagues who have not had that same health obstacle that they've overcome. I think that's probably true. Uh, I don't have any objective data to corroborate that, but you know, when you make a connection with your patient, when you share a personal story and, you, and they understand that you know what they're going through and, and the challenges that they're facing and that you're coming, you know, no pun intended, from your heart, yeah. uh, they connect with you more, they listen to you more, and they take it a lot more serious. And so I feel like that making that connection with my patient is critical. Uh, you know, sharing my story and, and asking them, you know, what do you think, every little question, what do you think you can do to, you know, to achieve these goals and, and working with them, it, it, it does work a lot better. Now, I, I can't say that I can get 100% of patients to change. No. Uh, and when I first started out, oh my gosh, did I make mistakes with my approach? I was like, so, you know, euphoric, plant-based diet, save the world, cure heart disease. Everybody's got to go 100% plant-based. And I will tell everybody else, there's no option, no other option, 100%, you know. Wow. Evangelical route, man. That did not work. <laughs> and yep. so, you know, the uh, euphoria has pretty quickly faded away as I realized nobody was listening to me and nobody was doing anything I was saying. And so... I kind of learned uh, the um, how to meet somebody where they are and how to ask the right questions and feel them out as to how far they can go and how to set small targets and, and get them referred, you know, to the to the right place so that they can get whichever need they uh, whatever they needed, whether it was you know behavioral health therapy, stress reduction, more nutrition education. I could provide them all the resources I want, but you know what? A lot of patients they wouldn't even wouldn't even look at them. Mm. I used to give books to my patients, and I would ask them. Oh, so did you read the book? Did you read How Not to Die? Did you read it? No. They, they, I was like, why did I spend like 20 bucks to give you this book and you didn't even read it? Uh, it it's, it's hard. It's, it's, yeah. it's frustrating. And so it, coming from your heart, giving them all the resources, giving them the right referrals is the best a lot of doctors can do if they don't have a good integrative type of lifestyle medicine program that's right there and available for them. And I just heard, at least for heart disease patients, I'm a cardiologist, that's my focus, the Ornish program is now online and virtual. Oh, what a game changer that can be. Wow. And I don't know if my local organization is going to be happy about this because I'm going to start saying, hey, you know, all my patients, I'm going to say this is an option. It'll be covered instead of going to our local cardiac rehab program. Why don't you do Ornish virtually? And that's, that's great because they take care of all that, the stress reduction, the social wellness, the love and support, mm -hmm. the exercise and the nutrition. And that's what we need. Total wellness, man. Yeah. Um, you know what I might do if I were you? Because you you are going back to, you kept using that, you know, 15-minute window with the patients, which is yeah. not a lot of time. But I think 
there's a way to expand that as the patient is brought into the exam room. Hi, thanks for listening. Taken into the exam room and they're waiting for you to come in. What if there was a picture of you in there, a side-by-side, -side, the before and after, and all it has to say is, hi, I'm Dr. Loam, I'm your doctor today, or something like that. So that when you walk in the door, automatically their interest is peaked and you have uber credibility, not just as their doctor, but as them because they know at that point that you have been in their shoes and therefore whatever it is that you say, they are going to listen more intently. Yeah, things like that, little touches like that are, are very helpful and, and powerful. And one of the other things that I decided to do, because uh, I could talk to somebody for an hour about high blood pressure and lifestyle medicine. Uh, I said, you know, I, I sent them an email with all these resources, but I've made specific videos about like losing weight and, and cholesterol and heart disease. Uh, and I said, hey, you know, you watch this video, uh, here's the, you know, I talk with them about all their specific situation, but hey, for next time, I want you to do these three things. Watch this video, eat oatmeal every day for breakfast, <laughs> uh, you know, simple things like this. We'll see you back in two weeks, and I wanna make sure, you, can you do those things? And they say yes, and you see them back, they've watched the video, and you go through it. And yes, it's only 15 minute appointments, but I'm able to have more than one 15 minute appointment, yeah. and, and really set slow targets and, and ease people into it. But there are other people who go, can go all in real hard and fast, that's a minority of people. So most people, I just have to beg them to eat an apple a day, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but if you show your genuine, you know, that you generally care, this is the right way to go, and you provide them with the proper resources, even if you don't have the formal lifestyle medicine program right there in front of you to refer them to, you can make a meaningful impact on almost every single patient that you see. And I'll tell you, like as somebody who specializes in communication and, and being able to connect with people, the one thing that I've learned is almost a universal truth is that you don't need 15 minutes to make a connection with a person. People are drawn to authenticity. And so you only need a matter of seconds to come across as authentic. And because you have that story that you can share with your patients, that makes everything that comes out of your mouth so much more powerful. And you're delivering such a healthy message. Your patients don't realize it, but I'll gush for you, man. Like they are lucky to have you in their corner, man. The fact that you are willing to spend $20 out of your own pocket to buy them a book is just tremendous. I don't know of a lot of physicians that would do that. I know physicians who would say, oh, by the way, my book is available in the lobby right now for $20. Go buy it, not let me buy this book for you with 20 bucks out of my own pocket. You're you're a good guy. You've got a heart of gold, Steve Loam, Dr. Loam. Well, thank you. And I honestly, uh, you know, it, it can make such a huge impact in, in people's lives. And, and that's why we go into medicine is to make an impact, save people's lives. And, and I honestly feel like I don't think I could have written a script any better to set me up to be a lifestyle medicine cardiologist. It's just absolutely mind boggling how everything has just, my whole life story has led me right here and given me this, this passion. And so sharing it with patients makes that connection. Mm -hmm. And you know, you give somebody a book and they're like, wow, I can't believe this doctor gave it to me. And you would hope that they would, you know, at least read it, but you know, that's not always the case. Uh, but it's, you know, again, when you make that connection and you show them you care, you, you can be a much more effective uh, healthcare provider, no question. All right, let's end with this, man. Again, channel Dr. Loam, channel old Steve Loam, who's got this health journey in front of him. And then look at your patients and think about this. A patient walks through the door and you can just tell, man, that life has just put them through the ringer. Their health is in the tank. They're not feeling good physically. They're not feeling good mentally. They don't feel like they have a fighting chance at anything. 
what would your message be to somebody who is feeling so lost and so hopeless and so broken that they just can't see any light at the end of a very long and dark tunnel? What would your message be? My message would always be hope. There's always hope because when I have patients that are here in front of me with multiple chronic diseases that are lifestyle related, explaining to them that the cause is lifestyle, the treatment is lifestyle, I don't need to do a major surgery or give you a whole bunch of expensive medications that we have the tools to help you out. And I know it's challenging and I know you feel hopeless, but people can get through this and I'm here to support you and help you through it. And that's when I share my story. And I share some of the amazing success stories that are available online. The Forks Over Knives has their whole list of all these success stories and they see other people. And then they, they start to have that little glimpse of hope. And that's the spark that you need to get people moving forward and make the right changes. Then we get into the complexities of trying to get their family involved with their journey, trying to get the behavior management, the stress management, but really telling people everything that you have right here, that the, the obesity, the diabetes, the high blood pressure, high cholesterol, even if they've had heart disease and they have significant plaque buildup, there, we, this is all reversible. It may take some effort and some time, but we're here to support you, and I will point you towards all the resources to keep you alive, keep you well, and we can do it. And then, you know, again, they connect, and we make it happen. There's always hope. You genuinely care, man. I love that about you. <laughs> Dr. Steve Lund, we didn't even talk about him life-saving in the marathons this go-round. That was the last interview. But you are just the man, and the world is going to see more of you, and the world needs more of you. And I appreciate you carving out a little time for us today. Oh, yeah, anytime. It's, it's great to be here. Thank you. You know, Dr. Steve Loam was one of the first doctors to ever come up to me. Matter of fact, he may have been the very first doctor to come up to me and say how much he appreciated the Exam Room podcast. This would have been at the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine a number of years ago, probably the first year that we ever brought the podcast there. And he said that to me, and I was just kind of in awe because it kind of hit me at that moment that man, we really are reaching lives around the world. And this podcast has the opportunity to really be a beacon of hope and inspiration and healing for so many people because we're not just reaching people. We are reaching the people's doctors. And so even if that patient themselves doesn't listen to the podcast, perhaps their doctor is. And because their doctor is learning alongside of us, and how to treat the cause instead of just putting a band-aid on the symptom. Isn't that a great thing? Doesn't that mean that the patient's going to win? Doesn't that mean that the patient then is going to have a little bit more information that they can arm themselves with to improve their health and combat all of these chronic diseases that we talk about so frequently here on the show, the very ones that are preventable and reversible, and they then can achieve their health goals. So when Dr. Loam told me that, I was like, man, we are onto something. And I was just so tickled with that. And every time he comes back on the show, I'm reminded of that. And um, he is a hero in my book for that. He is absolutely a hero in my book for that. Not to mention the fact that he is literally saving lives during marathons in his everyday practice as a cardiologist. This guy is just extraordinary. Now, let's get into some news, shall we? So during the conversation with Dr. Lone today, he was talking about the conversation that he would like to have with himself back in the day. So it turns out that kind of conversation, it's make or break. 
It's make or break, and that is exactly what a new study finds with regards to whether a patient will be able to accomplish their health goals and lose weight. And it all begins with that initial conversation that patient has with their doctor. Indeed, bedside manner appears to be supremely important for doctors who want their patients to succeed. And it's all about the messaging. So this particular study comes to us from the University of Oxford, and it looks at patient encounters from 38 primary care doctor's offices, specifically analyzing recordings that the doctors and patients had about a weight loss program. And so researchers here are looking at three different conversation styles that the doctors may have had. There's the good news approach, the bad news approach, and the middle ground kind of a neutral approach. So let's start with the bad news approach. The bad news is everyone knows that losing weight is not the easiest thing in the world. It's not the most fun thing in the world by any stretch. And this whole idea of not eating the foods that you love, the foods that make you happy, and even the ones that you're just used to eating every day, cutting them out of your life, that is no fun. I mean, heck, it gave me major anxiety back in the day, major anxiety. And then there's the whole idea of exercise and finding the time to get up and move when all you want to do is sit on the couch. And maybe moving hurts because you're stiff and you haven't done it and you're carrying all of this excess weight around and you get out of breath so easily. Who knows what the case may be? But that's not fun either. And then, of course, there is also the perceived threat. And this one comes from the doctor. Maybe they say, if you don't do this, you will die. Or at the very least, your condition will get worse. And then you will continue to gain weight. And after that, maybe you will die because of it. Now, I had a doctor say that to me one time. This is true. I absolutely had a doctor say that to me one time. And it was unpleasant and it ticked me off. And I went right to the drive-thru after that conversation to feel better. And we're going to talk more about that in just a little bit. So basically, that's the bad news route. That's when you emphasize the problems of obesity, while physicians then assert themselves as the experts and they focus exclusively just on the challenges of weight loss, and they present those challenges with a heavy dose of pessimism. Not exactly setting the patient up for success, so you would think. And then there is the good news way. Every challenge is not impossible. Every challenge is, in fact, an opportunity and an opportunity that patients can seize on. And so this method, the good news method, doctors are upbeat. They're positive. They're optimistic. And they don't talk about the consequences that come from being overweight. Instead, they focus on all of the good stuff that comes with losing the weight. And they emphasize the good. And ironically, ironically, even though this is a conversation about weight loss, there isn't much being said about obesity or body mass index or weight problems at all. It's really a pretty pleasant conversation that pumps up the patient. And even though it's the kind of conversation that picks you up and makes you feel good and everybody wants to feel good, very few doctors actually took the good news approach. It's actually quite rare. 
it's the rarest of the rare of these three anyway. So you've got the bad, you've got the good, and then there's the neutral, which is about exactly what you would expect. Researchers here say that this was actually the most common method, as a matter of fact. They don't focus on the good or the bad, it's just kind of a just-the-facts-ma'am approach. So there are your three methods. And when researchers analyzed all of those different conversations from the more than three dozen doctor's offices, here's what they found. They found that patients who received counseling with the good news approach lost the most amount of weight. We're talking about nearly 11 pounds of weight loss. And that's pretty daggone good. That's really daggone good. But with the bad news group, patients there lost only about six pounds. And then get this, and then get this, the neutral group, which is delivered without emotion, just the facts, that group only lost two and a half pounds on average. Now, according to this study, if you shake all of that up, any emotion appears to be good, but positive emotions appear to be far better and far more impactful. And here's why researchers believe that the upbeat conversations were the most impactful. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that when you get 87% of the people who are receiving this good news, 87% of them enroll in the weight loss program, you're on to something here. So 87% of the good news group decided to participate in the weight loss program. And that is far more than either the bad news or the neutral groups where less than half of the patients wound up saying, yeah, I want to do the weight loss group. But then interestingly, beyond that, you may be saying, well, okay, well, what happens if somebody in the bad news or the neutral news group still enrolls in the weight loss program? Good question. Researchers also looked at that. But here's where it gets interesting. Did it really matter what drove them to the weight loss group? The results once they were in the weight loss group were pretty much the same, no matter what group they came from. But it's just a matter of getting them there. And so... When you get more people enrolled in the weight loss program because they're getting positive messaging that tells you something and that's why participants there lost an average of about uh, 10 and a half maybe 11 pounds compared to the other groups where you had fewer people participate and thus when you look at the totality of everything everyone who did and did not participate in the weight loss group but were studied as part of those initial conversations that's why you saw more weight loss among the positive messaging group simply because you had more weight loss program participants. So let's get them to the weight loss program. Let's change their minds. Let's pump them up about making changes to claim their health. Take it back just by having a positive conversation. I've been on both sides of those conversations, man. I think that a lot of us here have been on both sides of them. And it brings me back to what the doctor told me the one time. Doctor's office in Arlington, Virginia. I will never forget this. Doctor said that if I did not change my ways, if I did not lose weight, I was going to die. I couldn't have been more than 15 or 16. And, and this delivery was icier than icy. I mean, it could not have been any colder if she was telling me this in Antarctica. We are talking frigid. And I left there so angry. I was so mad and so disillusioned. 
And about 10 minutes after I walked out the door of the doctor's office that day, I was at the drive-through at Burger King just looking for a reason to smile. So I got my beloved king-size combo meal. Couldn't even wait for Taco Bell. Had to get me some Burger King just to put a smile on my face that day. That's pretty twisted, right? I think it's because I felt under attack when she was telling me that. I felt defeated. I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed because it was kind of a wake-up call. It was a wake-up call for me, not just for my health, obviously, but more so in the moment that the world could see what I was trying so hard to hide from everyone, including myself. And that was my weight and my health were way out of control, way out of control. I mean, I was so angry that day. I mean, my gosh, I was punching the roof of the car as I'm driving down the road after that appointment. I was so angry that day because of what she said. But of course, that combo meal, that was only temporary relief. But man, it was sweet relief at the time. I'm not even going to lie to you. Wasn't a good idea, but it did make me feel better for a couple of minutes. And it would still be years before I could finally make a lasting change. There were many more negative incidents until I began fixating on the positive things that would eventually come if I did make those changes I was trying so hard to avoid. Positive things. Things like just seeing the sunrise tomorrow because at one point in my life, I felt like even that was in doubt. And once that will to live kicked in, that's the most positive and powerful factor of all. And that, that was like the good news talk to me. Not unlike the good news that was delivered by doctors in this particular study. And so if you would like to check out this study, fascinating psychology here, fascinating. There's a link to it in the episode notes. This particular study was published in the Annals of Internal Medicine. Coming up on the next episode, Dr. Neil Barnard will be joining us on the exam room live and mark your calendars, my friends. You can join us live next Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Physicians Committee's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Get your questions because we're going to be opening up the doctor's mailbag. So if there's something on your mind for Dr. Barnard, go ahead, join us noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, or you can send it to me ahead of time well before Wednesday's show. At Chuck Carroll, WLC on X, formerly known as Twitter. Also Instagram and Facebook. That's where you can find me. And don't forget, sign up right now for the Exam Room VIP membership, my friend. Early access to our top-tier interviews, including the one with Dr. Michael Greger that will be out on November 20th for VIP Exam Roomies. That comes out two weeks before it will be released to the general public. So be the first to hear about his new book, How Not to Age. And there's a link to sign up right now pcrm.org slash exam room VIP. And that link is in the episode notes. But for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Steve Loam for being here, inspiring us, getting us to rethink some things and raising our health IQs. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, 
keep it plant-based.